Priceless podcast. Uh, one thing I realized is that last time I didn't even introduce myself, and I'm so sorry. My name is Mikhail Sechen, and as you realized, I'm the host of this podcast. I myself uh, identify myself as gay, but we are not here to talk about myself, although I promise that I will also sometimes say some things about myself. And who knows, maybe we'll get someone who does an interview with me. So today we have a new guest. Uh, it's a very, very good friend of mine, and I'm so happy to have her with me. We first met in Vilnius. Uh, we actually just met all over the place and never at the places where we live. Um, well, once I was close you came to, to you, Warsaw, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the first time we met each other, what happened was just a click and we became good friends. And there was a third person that we say hello to if yeah. she watches this. Hi, Judith. Uh, Judith. <laughs> <laughs> So we were called the three queens. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, but uh, yeah, we met through the European Forum. Um, as you noticed, I'm mentioning the European Forum again, and I will mention it probably a lot of times because many people I met there will be guests on this podcast. So one thing we had together was lots of fun, fun, fun. <laughs> we laughed a lot, but we also talked and had really, really nice conversations. Her favorite quote is, I'm so good, I don't have to brag. And I totally agree because she is so good, she doesn't have to brag. So I'm bragging about her because she's my friend. And why I asked her to be my guest is because she's coming. Well, she didn't really come. She's still there. She's all the way in Poland. And thanks to um, Zoom, uh, we can talk to each other and record each other. And you can see us too. So her name is Ola Gurska. That's right. Did I say it right? Yay! You said it perfectly. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. But let's uh, go to Ola and ask her, would you like to add anything about yourself? Hello, Ola, and welcome. Hello, Mikhail. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone listening and watching. Um, well, um, I suppose I... Um, I need to add that I am um, a queer Christian, right? So mm -hmm. I think this is the mm -hmm. reason why I'm being interviewed, not just because we are good friends. <laughs> You're queer, if I knew that. I don't know if I would have invited you. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you so much. And you will find out about Ola uh, more during this uh, interview. But before we go on, I just want to say that, uh, of course, that you can visit our webpage. The link is in the podcast description, both podcast audio and video. So you can visit our webpage and find all the links of some things that we might mention during this interview. 
I'm certain that we will mention some things. So please visit our webpage. There you can also find other podcasts. For now, there is one more, but there is more to come. Uh, and I'm happy and looking forward to other guests that I will have. But let's not talk about other guests because we have a very important guest with us today. <laughs> so let's go back to you, Ola. <laughs> With a question, when you say queer, how do you identify yourself, uh, your gender, sexual orientation? Okay, so yes, I like to use the uh, the word queer to identify myself because it's kind of mm. all-encompassing. And uh, to me, I know that other people see this word differently. Um, so I... I suppose I identify as, uh, I think, a gender-fluid person and mm. um, pansexual, demisexual. Mm. Okay, <laughs> some words that are uh, quite interesting and some of our viewers and listeners maybe don't really know what this means. Can you shortly explain uh, what you what you mean mm -hmm. uh, with pansexual and demisexual. Okay, so uh, to me, pansexual means that uh, you... Uh, mm, I'm I can be attracted to a um, whole spectrum of... Uh, um, of not really identities, but uh, of ways that people present. And mm -hmm. so, um, and it's kind of, in my case, it is connected to my demisexuality in the sense, so I'm going to explain what demisexual means. Demisexual mm -hmm. is kind of uh, between um, asexual and sexual, so to speak. Mm. So, um, mm. uh, and basically what it means is that you only are attracted to people with whom you have a very deep emotional connection. So, um, mm. and this is, um, yeah, so you can, in my case, you know, I, when this connection is created, it doesn't matter the gender of the person who, with whom yeah. the, the connection exists, right? So yeah. this is yeah. how these two things are connected. Yeah. So if I understand right sexual uh, sex and uh, gender expression is just it doesn't matter you're just drawn to the person yeah yeah and yeah. i know a lot of people um a lot of people um basically a lot of people who identify as pansexual talk about uh, being drawn to someone's energy rather than their gender mm. uh, expression yeah mm. Mm. Okay, so one thing we talk about here is actually also faith, and you already said that you're a queer pe person of faith. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about faith, how do you identify uh, there? Or w also talk a little bit about your background and where you are now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I proudly identify as a queer Catholic, and I really kind of like it because, you know... Um, mm. 
it's not just my um, kind of gender, sexual uh, identity that is queer. My mm-hmm. Catholicism is kind of queer as well, you know. Uh, <laughs> You're all queer. <laughs> I'm, yeah, all queer all the time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm a Roman Catholic, mm, kind mm-hmm. of by birth. And um, these days I identify as a Roman Catholic with a broken heart or uh, a still Roman Catholic, right? Mm. Uh, Because, Mm. yeah, the uh, past couple of months have been extremely difficult for um, independently thinking Catholics in Poland. Um, Mm. And, uh, yeah, but uh, I've been brought up in a Roman Catholic um, family and... um, the yeah, uh, Ro- uh, Roman Catholicism is uh, the majority religion in Poland, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, something is is really uh, touching me or doing something with me, like just hearing these words. Uh, how you put it, like a, a Roman Catholic with a broken heart. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's doing something with me. So thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, um, where are you with your faith right now? We're gonna go into, uh, deeper into the whole situation of Poland and what is happening there. I think that some of the viewers and listeners might know what is happening, some not. So, uh, mm, where are you with your faith right now in this moment? Um, this is a very personal question, <laughs> but, um, I'm doing, is it okay for you? Yes, to absolutely. I yeah, am. Okay. Um, I am, I think I'm doing quite well at the moment in the sense that, um, I feel like my relationship with God is well established. So, the um, external bullshit doesn't really affect it, right? So mm, um, mm. the things happening in Poland definitely do not affect my faith. Uh, they, don't, they don't really affect my prayer life in any way apart from um, me just having to work through a lot of uh, anger. And, you know, um, anger is perfectly okay, but uh, if you've been brought up, uh, definitely if you've been brought up Catholic, but perhaps if you've been brought up Christian, you may have a problem with anger, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with how it... But I would like to say one thing that I always taught people who were part of the trainings I did, because uh, for you who don't know, I'm a trainer uh, for nonviolent communication. And I always told people that anger is an excellent fuel. Uh, but the question yeah. is, what I do with the anger? You know, uh, it's uh, an- anger is like um, uh, gas <laughs> that you put in a car. You know, you can use it to put it in the car and uh, drive and get somewhere, or you can uh, uh, pour it over something and light it and put it on fire. So yeah. the question is, what are we going to do with the anger? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think um, additionally, uh, um, since it's 
um, even kind of less acceptable for women to express anger. You know, I think uh, we are brought up to kind of... uh, Placed, yes. place this anger or rather direct it at ourselves and uh, you know there is a lot of work a lot of work to be done and then when you think about who's making you do the work uh, you get even more angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so as far um, just to come back to your question I um, okay so I, I am going to get all you know kind of uh, high <laughs> here Uh, But um, I have to talk a a little bit about kind of my philosophy um, and about my outlook uh, on religion. So kind of a Mm. fundamental realization for me, uh, and this is connected with with, um, me realizing that I'm queer and um, uh, deciding to accept this as uh, something that's just a part of me and uh, how I was created and uh, something that informs who I am rather than uh, something that I should fight against or or, um, pray away or what have you. And uh, Mm -hmm. so the fundamental belief for me is that if, uh, if you... If we believe in a God who loved us into existence, right? And this God is um, almighty, all-powerful, right? And uh, this God is your creator. And this God, and we believe, and this is what I have been taught, that this God wants wants, wants a relationship with us, right? Wants to interact with us. Then, you know, what do we have to offer? What do we have Mm. to offer in a relationship with someone who's all-powerful, almighty, knows everything, has been there always, right? We only have one thing to offer, right? We only have ourselves. And Mm. this is why we need to be radically honest in this relationship, Mm. you know? And Mm. if Mm. you... And I think uh, as far as uh, spiritual life goes, to me... That's the only thing that's worth putting our energy into, you know, to uh, mm. uh, towards uh, working through things so that you can be honest with yourself, so that you can, so that you can be honest with God. And if you're honest with God, uh, you start to believe that the relationship is real, you know, mm. and mm. if the relationship is real all the other stuff, you know, all the religios- religiosity, it just, not even secondary, you know, it just doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> honesty. Mm-hmm. Radical honesty. So, um, mm. yeah, so um, it will... Sounds like a, it sounds like it would be a great title for a book. Radical honesty, and probably there is a book that's called Radical <laughs> maybe, Honesty. Maybe, maybe there is. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is an idea. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't, uh, as I say, um, doesn't really affect my faith, right? In uh, in God, mm. definitely not. Um, it does um, make my faith in the church falter because mm. I know that mm. God does not need the church; we need the church, and when your bishops behave as though mm, you needed them more than they need you, which is completely upside down. Um, You know, it's, 
I'm sure that everything will be fine. I'm just not sure that this everything will be fine includes our bishops still being bishops of the Catholic mm. Church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your journey of self-discovery. Uh, you said you're a Roman Catholic from the very beginning. Um, so in my my personal experience and some stories that I heard from other people, it was a rather interesting journey, um, the journey of self-discovery and also reconciling it with the faith. How did that work for you? Well, at the beginning, it really didn't, <laughs> you know. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. there was... Um, um, yeah, there was a lot of suffering, right? And um, mm. I, uh, the way that I kind of, dis well, I kind of always knew that I'm not, um, now I would say heteronormative, <laughs> that I don't mm. co co uh, conform to heteronormative uh, norms. But uh, yeah, it probably didn't have a name at that time. Mm -mm. No, I, I mean, yeah. I remember that I basically was a boy when I was 13, you know, basically, mm, I mm. just decided I'm a boy and I just was a boy until I was, I don't know, at some point I just stopped caring mm, um, mm. about it either way, to be honest. And, mm. um, and then I, um, I fell in love with a, a very, very close friend of mine um, when I was, I think, something like 20. And um, the way that I experienced this uh, this love was just, you know, it was just a all-consuming thing. Not, I can't even say it was a feeling because it was just so much more powerful than anything I have ever experienced. And it was just impossible not to treat it seriously, you know. Um, mm. It was impossible mm. to just say, oh, you know, it's a same-sex attraction. I didn't feel attraction. Right. I mean, mm, I've, mm. I, I would still, you know, I still struggle to call it attraction because to me, like uh, attraction sounds like craving a bit, you know, like something like, mm. yeah, I, I would love a piece of chocolate and I know it's bad for me, but you know, whatever, you know, and yeah, and yeah. what and it's, you know, it's like chocolate is not really bad for you and it's perfectly OK to be attracted to people. Right. So feels really yeah. nice to be attracted to people and sometimes i am attracted to people but uh, i definitely uh differentiated from just feeling this super deep deep connection with with someone you know um and uh, mm. uh, the kind of connection that has to be expressed physically so this is mm. just a distinction that I, I make for myself and i by no means want to say that there is anything kind of bad um about you know just being attracted to people as i said yeah, yeah. It's, it's great we have our bodies and our minds for a reason and one of the reasons is to seek out connection and connection that can take many forms i'm just talking about my individual experience and it's important mm. to for me to kind of put it uh, on record so to speak uh, because um, literally <laughs> <laughs> literally uh, be uh, because um, I um, when I kind of realized that this uh, you know sleeping with my uh, well at that point girlfriend was um, mm. 
in opposition to my declared values, I think it took me mm. like a week, right? To realize that, ha, huh, mm. the fact that we are sleeping together or actually having sex is uh, not something that my church would condone. <laughs> um, mm. Mm. So, you know, I may seem smart at times, but I'm not that smart, you know, a whole week. So anyway, <laughs> but then, you know, um, yeah. I, uh, I tried to seek uh, some kind of spiritual counsel and I basically got told that this is just, you know, this is a phase. This is an effect of me being afraid of men. Uh, this is something mm. that just, this is not serious in any way, should not, should not be treated seriously. This is something to be dismissed. And I think mm. this is the biggest mistake that people who wanted to give me, you know, uh, one particular priest, but also, you know, I was trying to look for some kind of guidance uh, in books and online. And basically, you know, the uh, message of this is not something real and this is something to be dismissed. Um, I think this kind of helped me to never can really... Um, to never really buy, buy into this whole, you know, conversion therapy thing, because, you know, you're, when you're faced with facts and somebody is trying to tell you, no, it's just, you know, you're just, it's a, just an illusion. You're not really seeing what you think you're seeing. You're not feeling what you think okay. you're feeling. You just, you know, there is this choice of putting your vision of reality on someone else or just trusting yourself right mm. but i i, I <laughs> yeah i wanted to ask you how difficult was it uh y you talked about being being pansexual and demi demisexual how do you think was it different um how did this affect your whole self-discovery i mean i'm i'm really asking as someone uh, very naive you know uh, mm -hmm. it's just maybe in my mind that it's it sounds easier to find out or discover your own sexuality if you have this uh you know like we have our hormones and the hormones go wild and you just see who you are immediately attracted to mm -hmm. so how was it how was this for you this this part to discover yourself How, what role did it play, if any? It's really difficult to answer this question because, you mm, know, I only yeah. have my own experience, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah, I think... Question dismissed. <laughs> 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 no, I, um, I think, um, yeah, I think it, if it was just... Maybe if it, if it was something like, oh, I'm really attracted to that girl, it would be easier to, to just say, okay, so I have a same-sex attraction and, you know, there are materials online that will tell you how this is just a phase, you will grow out of it, or you can pray it away yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, right? So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, um, I should basically say the same thing that uh, Tanya said in um, in your first uh, English-speaking uh, podcast, that I'm, you know, thank mm. God, you know, that I was uh, demisexual because, because yeah, uh, when I experienced, um, um, when I fell in love with, with my uh, girlfriend, um, it really, it was really difficult to dismiss it, you know? 
it was really, mm. really mm. difficult to say, no, this is just something yeah. that should, you know, it will pass. Yes, yeah. now yeah. I'm much, much, much older and I know that everything will pass. <laughs> but, um, but I think... Some things won't. <laughs> <laughs> everything in this life, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so let's... <laughs> Yeah, I just you wanted to say. Yeah, something? I just wanted to kind of really quickly just uh, say two sentences. Uh, so I c continue to go to church, pretend not to listen, mm -hmm. and it took the whole three years when uh, I was together with my girlfriend. And then I, uh, when we broke up, I basically said, "Okay, so let's try being heterosexual for a while," and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't work out, and. Um, Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I kind of took away from that experience was that I never, ever, ever, ever want to feel uh, like that ever again. So I never want to, mm. you know, just stand at the end of the, you know, be in church, but stand stand in the at the end of, you know, everybody else, you know, behind everybody else yeah. and just kind of try to yeah. not really listen If I'm going to be there, I just really want to be there, right? And um, mm. yeah. Good. Um, what about your parents, your family, your whole coming out journey? Um, how was that experience for you? Um, well, I think... For me, this is kind of the reason why it makes sense to make such podcasts and, and really kind of put all uh, our journeys or our experiences out there in the diversity that they represent. Because it was uh, for me, it was just basically really horrible because I didn't come out to my family, right? So um, uh, the whole time mm. where, uh, we were together, I never uh, came out because it was just so difficult to process. And my parents, basically my whole family really loved my girlfriend and she spent holidays and, mm. <laughs> you know, and summer vacations with us. And I just thought, okay, if I tell them, it will just, they will be angry at her maybe, you know, so I don't want to ruin their, their relationship and, you know. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry for for getting in but this is just making me so sad I when know. you think about it you know when you just think about if someone would have a, like a boy has a girlfriend and the family loves her and you would you know that your family will just be thrilled yeah. that you are together yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so uh, when I eventually came out to my uh, to my family and I was um You know, for for a long time, I didn't feel the need to to come out to anyone really because uh, I just was, you know, I have this joke, you know, that um, I would have to have this conversation with my mom and tell her, you know, something like, you know, mom, you know how I don't have a boyfriend. Well, I need to inform you that I also don't have a girlfriend. You know, hmm. Hmm. so because you know, um, maybe if I were, you know homosexual it would be kind of a, a more pronounced feature of my identity so to speak but when you're demisexual yeah. so you kind of only 
are attracted to, pe- to the people you are attracted to, right? I mean, only a very small section of the society, right? Then it's yeah. just kind of like, yeah. I don't, I have no idea who I am going to like next, so to speak, right? Yeah. But yeah. at some point yeah. I realized that... Um, Part of it was really um, uh, rationalization and that it Mm. is a part of my identity and um, it is important for people who are very close to me to know Mm. about me. Mm. So it's not just a matter of who you hang out with and who you're having sex with. It is so much more. So basically, uh, at some point, not that long ago, I came out first to my brothers and then to my mom. And basically, my brother's only reaction was, "We, uh, you know, we wish you knew, we knew so that we could be with you when you're, you know, when you broke up and you, you're really suffering yeah. because everybody saw that I was suffering. I just couldn't tell anyone why. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And my mom basically, you know, just told me, huh? I thought everybody felt felt that way, you know. <laughs> so you know, you know, it's kind of. What do you mean by she thought that everyone felt that way? Well, when I tried to explain to her uh, what it meant to be uh, gender fluid, for example, you know, and I said mm. some mm. days I just feel more like a man, and my mom was just like, "Doesn't everybody feel that way?" <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So was that your mom coming out to you at the same time? Or? Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I wondered that. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's yeah. kind of connected to um, a, another issue, you know, how important these labels are. Because I think, you know, uh, demisexual and, and f- uh, gender fluid people, I'm certain, were here before our generation, right? But uh, yeah. the the point is, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering connected with the fact that there were no words for it, for example, and that uh, a lot of time you were not able to kind of uh, live your truth. But I also think that uh, it's, I suppose it is likely that some people were able to kind of create little, you know, um, universes of their own and create yeah. the chosen families and uh, live in yes. kind of um, um, non-heteronormative relationships, right? Uh, yeah. Without really yeah. putting a label on it, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can see how much labels uh, help us to kind of talk about a certain topic. At the same time, it worries me how much these labels became important nowadays. You know, it's, it seems sometimes uh, that labels are more important that you know who is behind. Yeah, this, or the actual experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that you know when someone asks me or tells me, uh, I have nothing about about LGBT people, mm-hmm. but why do you have to talk about it all the time? And I say, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about it all the time. I would be happy to, to be just who I am, but there are so many parts of our lives that are affected and where we just 
come to a problem where we are not accepted you know when you talk about just coming home to your parents with your partner Mm -hmm. or uh, going to the hospital or you know if if your partner gets sick and taking care of some things you know there are so many issues and uh, just kind of walls Mm -hmm. that we hit that there is no other possibility for us than to talk uh, about it and the problems and that's the reason why we have to label it but at the same time I think it's so important to keep in mind that it's different for every person. It's it's just different, and and you know, pansexual and demisexual. What it means for you, it doesn't have to mean the same thing for someone else who identifies like that. And uh, there is no. I think that's in everything. I think that we became too reliant on labels, and when we say something, we think, "Oh, I know what that yeah. is." But we are talking about people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry for that interruption, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I also like to talk, <laughs> <laughs> as you can see. Yeah. You wanted to say something? Did you want to add something? Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking about what you said. And um, and yes, and sometimes it's not even as dramatic as going to the hospital or, or you know, or visiting your parents or anything like that. Uh, recently, I'm kind of, you know, uh, I'm out in this way that people who matter know. And then I'm kind of... Mm. Um, I try to discern when it makes sense to include it in a conversation and when it doesn't, right? And in not in the mm, way that I, mm. I don't really feel like I owe anyone an explanation because I don't really expect other people to explain themselves to, to me. But, uh, you know, yeah. like um, I've joined this new team at work and uh, there is this one guy who always uh, tells us stories about, you know, w- whenever we talk about our lives in the past, he, was, uh, he would say things like yeah. he was discussing a relationship with his relationship with his dad. But he mentioned, you know, whenever I would have a girlfriend, some this and this would happen. Right. And this is what uh, yeah. uh, heteronormative people do all the time. Right. And at yes. some point. Yeah. Uh, in our conversation, we're talking about how, you know, uh, sometimes uh, some people like to cook, but don't, really don't like to clean. Um, and and uh, he was mentioning that he and his wife are like that. And he co- so he cooks and his wife is quite happy to, to clean since he makes such yeah. nice meals. And that was exactly the same with my girlfriend and I all these uh, ways, yeah. uh, all these years ago. And I was just like... Mm. I wanted to say something, but it wouldn't be the same, you know, like as far yeah. as um, yeah. the uh, the level of disclosure, you know, when, when yeah. he says, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is what my wife yeah. does. And I would say, oh, this is what my girlfriend used to do. These are completely do, to, two different uh, pieces of information. Right. So, yeah. 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 So it's not that yeah. I want to. I, I love <laughs> Yeah, I loved what one uh, uh, gay man said from, from, I think he was from Ireland or Northern Ireland, I'm not sure anymore. But he said, you know, I don't want to be a political statement all the time. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the problem that we are, you know, whatever I say is perceived and heard as a political statement. And, you know, I just want to be relaxed like any other person yeah. and say... 
you know, I, I, I just while you were talking, I thought about just a small thing. You know, we are I'm in the store with my partner and I when we are at home, I call him love. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the store and I'm calling him because he's a little bit further away, I have to be aware. Oh, we are in the store. OK, I'm going to call him by his name. Yeah. So that's just these things where we constantly have to be cautious. Exactly. What you heteronormative people and straight people are not even thinking about because they don't have to think about it and they're not aware uh that that they're doing this yeah. and they're just being spontaneous yep. so i think it's this spontaneity that kind of just is lacking sometimes uh many times yeah <laughs> always exactly <laughs> almost yeah yeah just <laughs> whenever we exit our home yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when you think about your this journey of self-discovery, of um, reconciliation with your faith, is there anything that you can think of that really supported you on this journey that was really helpful for you? Uh, it can be anything, mm-hmm. people, a group, institution organization book mm-hmm. movie music whatever well i think there were a couple of things uh one thing mm. um one thing is that well i suppose i uh, i would have to start with the fact that uh, i mentioned it to you before that i kind of always wanted to be a devout believer right mm. so mm. you know uh, so i um when we talk about uh, grace, for example, right? This is how I mm-hmm. interpret grace, right? I had this curiosity and this longing in me. Um, and I was just kind of looking for um, for a way to be devout. And I was really kind of put off uh, by the hypocrisy of the groups that I came into contact with, you know, as a teenager, yeah. for example, right? Uh, you know, the kind yeah. of church groups and stuff like that. So I was lucky enough that uh, to actually come across uh, people who'd uh, interpret the relationship with God in a very personal way. Mm. I had this uh, friend um, at uh, at my first uh, job who was, you mm. know, who was a, a Roman Catholic, the kind of Roman Catholic that other people didn't believe that she's a Roman Catholic because, you know, if you're if you're a believer and you're happy that you have to be Protestant kind of was the idea back then in Poland, right? <laughs> so another queer Roman Catholic. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, a wife with three kids, but definitely a queer Roman Catholic. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so... Um, she kind of showed me, um, I don't think she even realized that what, I, what I'm looking for is kind of obtainable, that you don't have to be this kind of, you know, um, what's the word? Um, this holier than thou churchgoer to be a good uh, Christian or a good Catholic. So, and that was very important. And then I uh, really, you know, because I didn't really have a community, um, a faith community that where I could uh, um, pursue these ideals, I, um, I truly, truly uh, believe that God basically led me kind of personally 
Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I really, I really see that in my life now that f- uh, through times where I, I didn't have, uh, anyone to ask for spiritual guidance, I would just receive it kind of directly. So, you know, you come up with a question and then basically every, uh, um, article you come across uh, on the internet answers it right or you know for mm. i feel like for maybe five years every time i would go to confession the priest would tell me um, as a penance to read the uh, bible right so and mm. at some point and every time it would just be like read the bible read this fragment read that fragment open it and just read the fragment and read the bible read the bible and at some point somebody uh, one of these priests told me you have this um you have you say that it's difficult to obtain a relationship with god and you have this big love letter written to you in front of you and you're not reading it so you know so mm. what else do you want Right. So I started reading Mm. and so I read the Bible a couple of times. Right. And um, when I was doing it, I was just um, it was a fantastic experience because it really made me feel at home in Christianity, you know, because Mm. I never I Mm. stopped to feel like a priest can catch me, you know, uh, not um, catch me not having done my homework, if you know what I mean, you know, that I will be uh, caught out for not knowing something. I just really felt like, yes, I have read this letter a couple of times. So I think I have a vague idea of what's going on, on the one hand. And then um, uh, there was this year when I, uh, whenever I would, um, whenever I would uh, basically uh, log into the internet, everything was about uh, Ignatian uh, spiritual exercises. Right. You know, whatever I was mm. reading about this, uh, you know, this uh, psychologist, I was reading about this writer and they all mentioned, you know, this, you know, Ignatius, um, 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 uh, Ignatius of Loyola spiritual exercises. So I tried that and yes. basically that changed my life. Right. So when I mm. when I mm. discovered uh, uh, a way of praying that would feed me. I knew mm. that I'll be fine, you know, and uh, it's mm. been mm. still, you know, it's been um, a rough journey at times, but um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it was very much worth it. And um, yeah. just to, <laughs> I will try to be really quick, but uh, there were also books, right? There were also books through all of this. As I said, uh, I really feel like these books were kind of given to me through people in my life. Uh, books that change my life. So I'll be, uh, that's basically, you know, you want, you can't go wrong reading anything, but, uh, by, uh, uh, Scott M. Peck, but The Road Less Traveled is definitely a book worth reading. Um, another author that's really worth looking into, uh, especially if you're a Catholic, but not only is, uh, Ronald Rollheiser. And I'll be more than happy to, um, uh, provide links. To these, um, yes, yeah, yes. Um, I think it would be great for our viewers and listeners to have uh, links to uh, these books um, uh, that uh, helped you on your journey, because it might help someone else. 
And another thing I'm going to ask you, if you just have a great link about um, I- I- what was that? I- Ignatius, uh, how is it called? I don't know the English name, like the Croatian name is coming to my uh-huh. mind. Uh, this contemplative practice by yeah. Ignatius. Yeah, the, I, uh, I, um, in Polish they are called spiritual exercises simply, right? And yeah. the, If you have a great link just for people mm-hmm. to kind of see what it yeah. is, um, you know, Absolutely. I think it would be Absolutely. great for people to have Although, you know, an opportunity yeah. to look into it. And um, I'm currently very disappointed to, uh, in Jesuits because uh, I recently heard that the, uh, the ones in Wrocław were collecting signatures um under a, a civic bill proposal to ban pride marches <laughs> so, mm. which is extremely mm. disappointing when you when you take into account that uh they um either have to study uh, they all study philo- uh, theology and then they have to choose between philosophy and psychology so a lot of them are at least you know uh have a masters in psychology so they should know better simply Yeah, but um yeah, yeah. but other than that yeah. we have some smart uh, jesuits out there like pope francis or <laughs> james martin right <laughs> hmm. yeah so any in any case uh we're going to provide you with the link yeah. if uh, any of you is interested so be also cautioned that you know you have to check if they're really lgbt friendly Uh, before you get go there, just be aware yeah. of where where you're going, uh, knowing that not everyone is still accepting. Mm-hmm. Because I know that there are many uh, people, priests uh, and nuns and the other people, lay people who are very open um, towards LGBT people and even fighting for them. So be be cautious be not cautioned but yeah be aware yeah <laughs> it's that. important to discern yeah so yeah so um we talked about you but and i'm looking at the time and i would really like to uh, uh see to also talk about the situation in poland because the whole situation is is Uh, can I say interesting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah. No, I feel like yeah, I know, mm-hmm, I know. Yeah, I feel like this, you know, know, there is this meme with this dog in a burning house and the dog says this is fine, right? So, <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, don't panic, don't panic. The house is on fire. Yeah. So how would you describe to our viewers uh what it means? I know this is a very general question, but what does it mean to be LGBT right now in Poland? Well, I think it really depends on where exactly where you are, right? Because and mm. how you look, mm. because it can be, mm. you know, like mildly annoying in my case and deathly dangerous in the case of people who won't pass for heteronormative, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. um, what happens is that uh the situation the general situation in Poland with the pandemic and everything else is not great and we've had a populist mm. government who basically burned through any money that we had like in no time so now to cover it all up they came up with this wonderful you know everybody's enemy uh 
so maybe public enemy, the LGBT ideology. And since they came up with the idea mm. of LGBT, not people, but ideology, the church basically jumped on the bandwagon and, and started condemn, condemning the ideology, which, you know, um, to which uh, a lot of people protested, basically, you know, just um, demonstrating with, you know, I'm a person, not an ideology banners and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, it's been happening for, uh, I think, close to a year now, or maybe even a little bit over uh, a year. And it's mm. just, I don't know what's, uh, what's more worrying, the fact that uh, it's kind of, you know, at best we are maybe 10% of the society, but we are made to... to be this, you know, this menacing force that will, you know, uh, do away with everything that's truly Polish and Christian and, oh, sorry, Catholic and all that, right? Um, yeah. yeah. But, and they also basically only do it for, for you know, just to divert um, attention from their failures um, as, um, as government, right? And the church basically is completely in the politician's pocket and um, not the church, but the hierarchy. I apologize. Mm. There's still, you know, um, there's still a lot of uh, decent people out there. Absolutely. And even, you know, like a handful of decent priests, apparently, because some of them spoke out. But um, even, you know, like, I think it was maybe a bit over a month ago, the uh, bishops published a document about the uh, LGBT matter or LGBT issue, where they basically uh, condone um, uh, reparative um, or conversion therapy and basically say that people have uh, transgender feelings and basically, you know, just uh, 27 pages of being completely uh, incompetent, uh, willfully ignorant, and downright hurtful. <laughs> and mm. um, yes, and um, just I think yesterday we heard of a 12 year old girl in some uh, very small town uh, who killed herself. And what we know is that she's been bullied for being queer, right? For not, not mm. being hetero. And, um, mm. and, you know, it's kind of, it's really, really difficult to be patient and to be, to be, um, smart about your strategy when the children are dying, you know, just, and it's really difficult to see the other side as uh, human when they Mm. are, you know, uh, last night, somebody spray painted, uh, your LGBT child, this kind of, not a slogan, but somebody just spray, pa- spray, spray painted these words, your LGBT child on the uh, uh, wall of uh, Ministry of Education, you know, just like, mm. and they basically had a, a press conference about it, calling people who, who did the painting monsters, you know, and no word of a little girl who who decided to take her own life because she didn't yeah. really see another option right yeah 
So it's yeah. you know it's just yeah. it's real real yeah. uh, test for us to to still you know uh, regard these people in love you know the way the the way yeah. that the Lord sees them right yeah yeah how how I mean I feel really stupid asking <laughs> this question after such a serious consequence uh, of everything that is happening in Poland when you mentioned this little girl and life is just um, the most extreme mm -hmm. loss um, that that we can have of as a consequence but if you look at everyday's uh at everyday mm -hmm. lives lives of lgbt what what would you say the consequences are right now for for these people well i don't think i have one non-heteronormative friend who doesn't suffer from chronic illness or uh, mental issues hmm. you know hmm. I myself struggle with depression I really have to take really great care of myself not to slip hmm. you know hmm. sl slip into just yeah. bouts of helplessness and anxiety and sadness right um, hmm. so I don't you know I'm sure there are people more resilient than me out there but um yeah but basically you can see the long-term effects of minority stress on everyone on yeah. everyone basically you know yeah. it's just a matter of how long you're you, you need to talk to someone before they mention it to you pretty much mm. so yes yeah, so mm. this is you know these things have tangible real life consequences right so mm. it is it mm. is a struggle to not give in to hate mm -hmm. what do people do like I'm, i'm sorry i'm just trying to understand i mean i hear this uh psychological consequences which i can very much relate to and how hard it is to endure this uh, minority stress what are, what do you what do you, are you afraid of like what what is the biggest fear what's what's happening to people what do they fear that will happen to them if someone finds out well um i think it's uh, a lot um a lot of it uh, as far as fear goes um You know, the option to be beaten up if you don't pass as heterosexual uh, is can be very real. And uh, at the time mm -hmm. of uh, the greatest unrest, which I think was around a month ago, uh, two of my mm -hmm. uh, gay friends uh, told me completely in completely independent conversations about, you know, a car following them, you know. A friend mm. called me and and he said, uh, you know, weird thing happened because I was going to the shop and I saw these two guys that were basically uh, driving very slowly and they saw me and they stopped and they just looked at me, you know. And there is a million reasons mm. why they could have been looking at him. He might have looked familiar or whatever, yeah. right? Because, but at that time, yeah. we're yeah. in such a state 
that you know it was the mm. violence was the first thing that came to mind right and then on on mm. almost the same day i was talking to another friend of mine and we're uh, i was taking a walk and he was taking a walk because you know we're in different uh, parts of poland but we uh, had a walk together and he said this car is just has just passed me for the fourth time and there are four mm. young guys in it you know mm. and Mm. I'm sure that, that that they just got lost, right? But yeah. what if they didn't? You know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, so that's kind of that's the the fear, I guess. Um, and but generally, you know, um, this whole situation makes it uh, so that you feel like it's completely unacceptable for you to be the way you are. You know, that people really shouldn't yeah. find out because you have no idea what will happen. So, you know, um, there's uh, a lot of talk uh, from, from, you know, open-minded people um, and people who are pro-change that, you know, the best way to counter a stereotype is to actually uh, meet the, or, or to get over a stereotype is to meet the person you're prejudiced against, to see um that they are just you know human just like you they have better and worse days they want to love they want to be happy they have the same basic needs right but the situation in poland right now and this breaks my heart that church uh, played such a crucial part in it the situation in poland right now right now makes it uh basically impossible to come out in most parts of Mm. poland right so Mm. these people who are against us without knowing us will not uh, overcome their prejudice because we won't come out only to you know because we we're just too afraid right why should someone risk their life so that somebody can change their mind you know their life their life livelihood etc and let's not forget the fact that we as you mentioned uh, earlier on right we do the emotional work every day and we have a right to be tired you know every time you don't say yeah. oh yeah. my girl yeah. you know you don't say oh my boyfriend did this or you don't call your boyfriend with his pet name in uh when uh, when you're in public every time you're doing a little bit of emotional work right so you do mm. you know we do have a right to be tired and it, yeah. that, it is taking its toll yeah, yeah. Yeah, what I hear, there is a lot of fear and it's just like pushing you back into the closets. And yeah, as someone said, closets are not for people, they're for clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I agree. So there is this whole issue um, of what I heard and I was just wondering, what the heck is that? (laughs) And that's the LGBT for free zones. Can you say a few words about this? I know it may be complicated, mm-hmm. but what is this all about? I really don't know. I mean, uh, okay, mm. so I, I will tell you the facts as I know them, but uh, it's really difficult to put it as um, kind of separated from my interpretation or opinion of it. But generally, you know, yeah. uh, since they uh, they came up with this idea that it's LGBT ideology, you know, not people. Mm. We of course we love people. Of course, you know, we respect people, right? 
but the ideology yeah. this needs to be obliterated you know put away for uh, forever you know just basically burnt out from our holy land of poland you know and i mm. i mm. i couldn't explain to you why this happened but you know it's in if so, in some totally weird uh move and some totally weird for me desire to kind of i don't know kiss up to to the church and and the polit- uh, the government some um communes i think the the pr- correct english term is commune but not like you know people living together but like um um it's an ad- um administrative kind of division right mm-hmm. so a couple of uh, some places in Poland decided that you know they will fight against um uh, popularizing lgbt ideology in their um in their commune or in their um you know um, administrative district right and um yeah. so you know and I don't know. Maybe they hope that uh, because uh, the ruling party is doing a great job of taking away uh, um, power and money from local governments, right? Uh, so uh, I think maybe it was a move to kiss up to the ruling party so that, you know, uh, your district or your town will not uh, you know will get more money because you are a lgbt ideology free zone um and not some other district or whatever because they are not and i'm really really happy that it really kind of uh backfired because uh, you know that now they uh, such um, such districts and such towns and such communes cannot uh, get uh, EU uh, money, and there are these mm. uh, Norwegian um, funds, or I don't, I don't really know the uh, English name for it, uh, of it, but these have also be, been stopped for the LGBT free zones. Mm. So, and I know mm. that uh, a couple of towns in, uh, uh, like, br- brother or sister towns uh, in Germany and in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, uh, basically broke ties with sister or brother towns in Poland because these towns are LGBT free yeah. zones. So, I really, you know, I have to say, I really enjoy the backlash, right? Because th- mm. they thought mm. that they will gain some capital. Uh, you know, political capital uh, from picking up on the kind of least represented and the weakest uh, section of the society, yeah. and it kind of backfired. So that gives me a little bit of a satisfaction, even if the satisfaction is not very kind of Christian. <laughs> yeah well we are only human (laughs) and i and And it's okay as i said i need to be radically honest (laughs) yes and you are loved you are loved (laughs) hopefully the stupid people are loved as well and this is something that i try to remember you know that they are loved as well and they can still repent hopefully I'm so glad because I would never be loved. (laughs) 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 No, you know what I mean. Well, let's not talk about my stupidity. Uh, Let's go. You have to make everything about yourself, but I only. I I have to. That's. (laughs) 
that's my biggest quality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just know how to make things about myself. So, <laughs> right. But yes. you know who I meant um, by stupid people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just, I'm just joking. I don't really think that I'm stupid. Well, there are moments, you know, we're, as I said, we're only humans. So um, there are moments and there are days and days. <laughs> so um, very often what happens when something like this is happening, people are wondering, like, what can I do? How can I help? Uh, and, and they want to do something. So what would you tell those people? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm right now I'm probably thinking mostly of the people who are outside of mm. Poland. Okay, so if you uh, can spare a prayer, definitely prayer is always welcome. Mm. And, you know, God tells us no prayer falls to the ground. So even if you're not kind of praying for the correct thing, some a good thing will come out of it. Because I'm sure a lot of people are yeah. praying for us to convert, for us to repent. But we won't because we are right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely prayer. And if you don't pray, good thoughts are also appreciated. And taking an interest, you know, um, I know that there's been a manifest, uh, like a demonstration in uh, the Netherlands and in Hungary in solidarity with uh, with Poland uh, when um, when the things were kind of um, the most violent. Um, there was a moment in August when mm. it really got very bad, and um, and you know this kind of support is really appreciated. But it doesn't have to be a demonstration. You know, if you have a friend in Poland who's uh, who's um, LGBTQI plus, right? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Reach out to them, but not to lecture them, but to, you know, to just say, okay, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? That's always appreciated, yeah. always appreciated. And um, yeah. at the same time, you know, I know I'm going to sound super ungrateful, but uh, this is maybe, you know, when somebody is just so completely downtrodden, uh, maybe this is not the best time to give them advice or to ask, uh, make demands on them, right? So, you know, we, yeah. uh, we've had uh, very well, well-intentioned people telling us, you know, translate this, translate that. And, um, for example, it would really help us to have the, um, the document published by bishops translated because, then people outside of Poland who would speak to it. And I have to say that also people in uh, Catholics in Germany uh, spoke out against this document. They kind of obtained their own translation and and said, okay, so uh, Polish bishops are making claims that are basically impossible to defend within the Catholic doctrine, which was also extremely, um, extremely supportive. Uh, I have to say, you know, mm. and uh, by the way, mm. I need to mention that I am a part of uh, Faith and Rainbow, uh, um, a Christian mm. uh, LGBT plus group in uh, in Poland. And and the link will we'll be we'll definitely, definitely provide the, the link. So, um, yeah, so this is a source of source of support, but uh, also our contact with uh, the outside world. And, um, 
yeah, so um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so these kinds of yeah. things are kind of very, very helpful. But when you think about translating a 27 pages document that t basically tells you, tells you that you shouldn't exist, it you know, this is not something uh, that people will jump on. This is not an opportunity that people will yeah. be happy to have. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, thank you for what you shared there. I think it's very important uh, that we know when other people are in trouble, one thing we do is that our super savior uh, identity comes out and we want to help right away but often even if it's a help and then we are shocked if the person doesn't show any gratefulness but sometimes even something that looks for us to us as a great help mm, can sometimes be the wrong thing and i always encourage people rather to ask what do you need mm -hmm. Um, and it might be just a word, it might be just, you know, a shoulder to cry on, but, you know, just letting the person know I'm here, let me know if you need anything, uh, is much more than doing something where we can go very wrong because we think it's the right thing and maybe it's not. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for, uh, saying that. So... I actually uh, would like to finish with one thing. And I actually don't even know if I told you that I'll ask you that. But it just came to my mind. If a fairy would come to you right now and say you have two wishes, one wish for your country and one wish for the Roman Catholic Church, what would you wish for? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I would hate someone who would ask me this question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for my country, I would definitely wish for more compassion in... Um, in the society, you know, more compassion-based mm. communication in the society for us mm. to just ask each other what we need and listen and um, mm. not because it seems that the mainstream discourse at the moment is all about who's to blame. And I think mm. we're at a point where it doesn't, you know, I, I feel like I know who's to blame, but I'm willing to put it aside. Uh, if we could be working towards, um, you know, improvement, because our society b uh, yeah. badly needs, um, you know, hope and compassion and um, organization around looking out for each other rather than uh, leaving people behind and, and just kind of having the strongest people or the most cunning or the most uh, dishonest win. So that's for my mm -hmm. for my country. And pretty much it would be uh, it wouldn't be so bad if the same happened in uh, in that you know in the hierarchy in the Catholic hierarchy in my country as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have to say I have very very little hope and very very little faith when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, our bishops. 
because they had uh, mm. multiple chances to speak up and they're very, their silence is very loud. And mm. um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just really kind of sad about it because um, it's not like we really need them. It's not, they're not vital. And it would really help if they realized that. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm, I'm basically, you know, uh, yes, I am an oppressed minority, but at the same time, I feel like they have been uh, cautioned time and time again, and they won't repent. And yeah. it's just, it's really heartbreaking to look at. Hmm. Thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for having uh, me. I am, oh, it was a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I really mean <laughs> that. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, we had, uh, this is our second conversation because we had lots of technical <laughs> issues uh, with the first recording that we tried. That's true. And I really, I really enjoyed it. I love it. I know, dear listeners, that the podcast will be or was a little bit longer, but I hope that you will, that you manage to stick with us because I found it really important what I heard from you. And I actually want to leave uh, all of it in this interview and, uh, you know, just to be there for the people who want to be encouraged and also hear how it is to be LGBTIQ plus in an another country. So thank you so much. Thank you, dear listeners, you. Uh, dear viewers. I am uh, so happy about this happening and looking forward to our next time we see each other or hear each other. I'm reminding you that you can visit our webpage. The link is in the podcast description. And there you can find all the information that we mentioned, links to all the things that we mentioned here in this podcast. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Thank you Ola, once again for taking the time it was a twice pleasure. to do this. It was this. a pleasure. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> great. So next time we'll have a guest from the UK. And I'm very much looking forward to that too. But I will leave the rest to be Do I know them? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and maybe I'll tell you, but after I... I stop this recording so thank you everyone for being here see you soon and hear you soon bye, bye.